All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Adam's To the line, Hughes, scores! Here, like I don't, I will cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season at ZephyrEpic.com. Go get yourself some Upper Deck Series 2, some Pokemon cards, whatever your heart desires, ZephyrEpic.com has it, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. Before we get started here, well, of course, my name is David Quadrelli, and I'm joined by Chris Faber. Before we get started here, we both wanted to kind of just take a moment and offer our condolences to the family of 19-year-old Russian hockey player Timur Fezadinov. Uh, he died after complications from a puck strike to the head. It's a really unfortunate situation. Uh, for those of you that haven't seen the video, it was a pretty harmless dump in, uh, and it just struck him in the wrong spot, and he ended up passing away in hospital. I think he was there for three days. 
on life support, really unfortunate situation. And you, you just, you never want to see anybody pass away, especially when they're playing hockey, but especially when you're so young, just 19 years old, this kid had his whole life ahead of him, had a whole hockey career ahead of him and had again, his whole life ahead of him. So we just wanted to offer our condolences to him and all of his loved ones. Just kind of take a moment to remember him on a much happier note. The Canucks just beat the Ottawa Senators, Chris. They beat an AHL team. Chris, how's it going, first of all? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I just want to speak on on the death of that 19-year-old as well, Faiza Dinoff. I just, you know, I watch a lot of these MHL hockey games, right? These are 20U players. Like, this is the junior league over there in Russia. These guys are just having a blast. Like, every time they're out there, they're teenagers living out their dream. And for a guy to die at the age of 19 playing the sport that he loves, it's it's pretty damn unfortunate. So, yeah, condolences to the family. Uh, you know, it, like you said, it was just such a freak accident where the puck just hit him in the wrong spot on the head. The video looked horrible. And to hear that he actually passed away from it was, was almost like the most shocking news that came out of the whole thing. That, you know, a guy died from getting a puck, just hit him in the wrong part of the head. So, yeah, definitely condolences out to them. And uh, I know it's been a tough day. I've seen a lot of Russians... Um, you know, the Instagram accounts and Twitter accounts that I follow putting out things for him. And, and he was the captain of the team, 19 years old, uh, just way, way, way too early to hear that. So unfortunate news and yeah, condolences to the family and, and the team and everyone around him there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just reading about it here and yeah, it's just ugh, such an awful, awful situation. And yeah, the club, the club put out a statement. They said the club expresses condolences to the family and friends of Timmer forever at Dynamo forever in our hearts. Just a sad situation all around. And Chris, we've got to talk about the Canucks. We we just opened on like the saddest note. All of our listeners are going to be all sad now. But we did think it was important to kind of point that out and have have that kind of moment for him and just kind of talk about it a little bit, just offer our condolences. But we do have to talk about the Canucks, Chris, because the Canucks just beat an AHL team and the owner was on Twitter after the game. First of all, let's get your thoughts on the game and then we'll break down everything else. (laughs) Sure, yeah. Uh, so they roll in to Ottawa, obviously take the first game in overtime, kind of almost gave it away there late. So, you know, I don't know. The, the team, that's a team you should be able to beat if this team actually wants to make themselves into a contender, which a lot of people are thinking that they are because of what they've done of late. So, you know, you can't go out and, and toss away points. It's not a huge thing to, I guess, lose points to the Ottawa Senators because I don't think they're going to be catching anybody anytime soon. But. If you were to throw away a lead like that and give a bonus point to somebody like the Montreal Canadiens who the Canucks will have back-to-backs with this coming weekend, that's a spot where you're really going to hurt yourself if you want to actually think that playoffs are a possibility for this team. So uh, I didn't like the finish of that game. I didn't really like the game in general, to be honest, but... Um, uh, you know, they ended up getting the win. They came out of it. JT Miller came up clutch in overtime. Thatcher Demko has just been ridiculous. I don't know how much of the episode we're going to spend talking about Demko, but what he's done lately is just, it's Vesna caliber goaltending. And I mean, that seems to be the thing that's getting the Canucks over the top right now. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a win, right? It's a win. They've had a pretty good streak as of late. So you can't really hate on them too much because they have been winning. Yeah, absolutely. And to answer your question, we're going to talk a lot about Thatcher Demko, and we're going to talk a lot about goaltenders, Chris. But first, I, I did want to just break down this miraculous tweet from Francesco Aquilini last night. Not sure why we were so dismal at the start of the season, comma, but the wins are starting to come. And man, what goaltending we're getting. First of all, Thatcher Demko is going to have to put this tweet into his, uh, his case when he's going for a new contract. He's absolutely going to have to bring this up. If he doesn't, I will be ashamed of his agent, okay? This is this is bulletin board material for Thatcher Demko of why he deserves a good contract. And let's be honest, Chris, it's funny that, that this tweet was even published, but we know why they were dismal. It's because what's in front of Thatcher Demko isn't good enough, and it still isn't good enough. It's just Thatcher Demko... Like, Frankie answered it himself in this tweet here. Like, he said, he said what goaltending we're getting. Like, that's your answer. That's why you were so dismal at the start of the season. You weren't getting the best goaltending of any team in the league. Now you are, and that's why you're starting to get results, even if it is against an AHL club. Like, that's that's what's happened here. And also, before I, before I, before I throw to you, Chris, I just want to point out, everybody calls the Ottawa Senators an AHL club. Listen. It's it's hockey, man. Like anything can happen in a hockey game, and that's why you see, like that's why that's why that's why it's not not the 
best idea to put a, put all your life savings on betting on hockey because there's too much luck involved. Like anything can happen in a hockey game, and that's why the Ottawa Senators have beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are far and away the top team in the division, mm-hmm. and that's why they've beat the Montreal Canadiens. Like it's hockey, things change. So I don't know. I don't like the the whole um whole, oh well they only beat an AHL team. Like come on. I just I don't like that because it's hockey, man. That that's how it is. You're gonna you're gonna beat teams, but you're also gonna get beat by those bad teams. And it's just I don't know. Maybe I'm rambling on too much here. But what do you think about that? Yeah, I think uh, I mean you kind of expect to beat the Ottawa Senators, right? But the Ottawa Senators have what ten wins this year. They've been able to beat the yeah. beat the Leafs, beat the I guess they haven't beaten the Canucks, right? Like they haven't beaten the Canucks this year. Mm-mm. Yeah, so the Canucks are just doing mm-hmm. their thing against the Ottawa Senators. So this is good for them. Uh, but they they came pretty close with that overtime game the other or just the other night there on Monday. So uh, it's going to be an interesting push and a follow up game for the second one here. But man, I'm I'm looking more towards what we're going to see on Friday and Saturday and the back to backs against the Montreal Canadiens. So let's talk about the goaltending here, right? Thatcher Demko started nine of the past ten games for the Vancouver Canucks. I'm pretty sure it's a safe bet to say that he starts on Wednesday against the Ottawa Senators as well. But going into the weekend series, you have Friday and Saturday. Back-to-back against Montreal Canadiens, but no travel, right? I think that was something that they talked about a lot on the broadcast. I think uh, you could hear Shorty trying to get Cheech to say that, uh, you know, he wanted to see Demko for the next four games here. But for you, Quads, do you think that the back-to-back, like, how does that set up with Thatcher Demko? Do you like him in game one? Do you like giving him the day off and going with him on the Saturday game? Do you like the idea that Cheech kind of floated out there of giving him the night off against the Ottawa Senators, giving him five days off before he has to go and play back-to-back games on Friday and Saturday in the more important games? Like, where do you stand on this one? Because the Canucks have quite a few games wrapping up after this. Like, starting on Friday, they're going to play the Canadians, then they play them on Saturday, then they're back on Monday against the Jets and Wednesday against the Jets, and then they go on that big six day break which a lot of people are excited for including myself because I'm taking a vacation and excited for that but uh where would you kind of go with the goaltender setup as we finish this week here with a game on Wednesday a game on Friday and a game on Saturday it's tough it's a really tough decision because I'm all for the matchup game when I when I say that I mean I'm looking at the Montreal series here and you want to start Demko theoretically actually I don't know because Carey Price has been not that great this year. I was about to say you want to start Demko in the game where Jake Allen's starting so that you can almost have a guaranteed win, but honestly, I think you might be you might be able to ride him for both of those games. I just don't know about giving him that break in Ottawa, you know what I mean? I think if you're going to do that and you're going to play him in the back-to-backs, like you you have to you have to give him that day off, but again, like does that mess up your rhythm a bit as a goaltender to kind of be taking that many days off and then playing two games like recovery is important and playing two games within the span of 24 hours like that's not easy man and I'm curious to see how they approach it if it was my decision I would just start Holtby for the second one of that back-to-back I think that's that's the move um Mm maybe the first one like you've got to play the goaltending matchup game I just don't know who you like better do you want to do you want your weaker goaltender in against Jake Allen or do you want your weaker goaltender in against Price I still lean toward Jake Allen just because Carey Price has always got results against the Canucks Um, but I think that's kind of how you have to look at it is okay which is the best way that we can get as many wins as possible because I think if you start Demko for both of those games, you're probably going to lose the second one just because recovery matters. And I get that he's going to have a long break after that, which is nice, but still, it's just you don't you don't want to run the risk of injuring him, but I also don't think you want to run the risk of losing the momentum that you've worked so hard to build. I think it's I think it's tough and I think this is a spot where you're happy to have a guy like Ian Clark, you know, in your system and hopefully giving some advice on what you're going to do here because, you know, there's there's a lot of things like we kind of talked about it last week on the show like when you watch Kevin Woodley or you listen to him talk about a game when the game's going on or just hearing him talk about goaltenders in general, like there's things that they pick up on that I just don't know. Like you're you're probably better in it better at it than I am at picking up tendencies about goaltenders as well, but like you know, I, I would be curious to see what Ian Clark thinks about him just playing this many games. Because, you, I mean, if you were to play him on the Wednesday and then go back to Friday, he has another good game on Friday, you would think to just play him on Saturday, right? And I think the more important games this week are the weekend series. If you were to give the days off, you know, from Monday all the way to Friday, 
I think he's fine for a back-to-back. The only thing is, like, if you start Demko on Wednesday against the Ottawa Senators and he faces another... Because what did he face on the first game? 46 shots or something like that? Like, he faced a ton of shots in that game. If he's facing another 40-plus shots and then he has to play two days later and then has a back-to-back, I think that's a little bit too much to ask. You're playing the Ottawa Senators, a team that you we just talked about, you haven't lost to all season long. I think it should be Holtby's game on Wednesday. And then you go back with Demko on Friday. If you get a win on Friday and Demko has a good game, you throw him right back there on Saturday because... That's that's what this team kind of needs to do. If they're going to be trying to make a push for the playoffs, they need to be able to beat teams like the Montreal Canadiens and the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers so that they can battle for that fourth spot against them. And your best bet is throwing Thatcher Demko in against them, even if it is back-to-back nights. I think that that's, that's the right move, but I would give him Wednesday off because I do think you still have a pretty good chance of winning with Braden Holtby in net. Interesting take, and I I don't disagree with you necessarily, but the only only reservations I have about it is if you start Holpe on Wednesday, and then like you said, if Demko has a solid game on Friday, and then you go back to Holpe on Saturday, that's two game. Or sorry, if if Demko has a solid game, you go back to him on Saturday. I'm saying if if Demko doesn't have a great game on Friday, and you want to get Holpe back in there because Demko gets lit up or something like that, and yeah. I'm just thinking like what would that do for his confidence to kind of be taken out for Wednesday's game and then he's given that four days off or whatever it is and then he gets shelled, you know what I mean? And it's just like, I I, I think right now he's performing so well and he's on a pretty consistent schedule, you know what I mean? Like, he's playing a lot and I I wonder if the break would kind of, and, and sitting from the bench and just watching the game would kind of, deter him a little bit and make him not as great when he goes back out i just honestly man like it's tough because you you never want to make you you always want to make sure you're not putting in the guy a position where he's going to get hurt or pull something but man you when you're winning like this and your goaltender is playing this well it is hard it is hard for me to accept that you're going to put someone else in the net like that's just how it is and for the unless he's telling you you yeah you're going to talk about yeah yeah, on Wednesday, I think you've got to go back to Demko. I, I just, I think that's that's the move for the Canucks. And I do you think, think that, well, then, do you think it's even a possibility that he plays Wednesday and the back to back on the weekend? Because that's a lot to ask as well. No, I like I said, I think Holtby's going to start the second leg of the back to back. I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, just because it's okay for a starter to not not play a back to back. Like that's it's just that's the way it is. Like recovery is important. And think about it, Chris. Like the game's not going to end till nine o'clock. And then Demko's got to go get ready. He's got to start his preparation at like 5.30, 6 o'clock. Like, that's less than 24 hours to get ready for another NHL game. And they're playing the Canadians. I'm assuming they're going to get a lot of shots on Demko. Recovery matters in this sport, Chris. And I think if, if you want to, if you want to move away from Demko at any point, that's the time to do it is to put Holtby in for the back to back because that's the acceptable time to put him in. This is kind of like, it's interesting because. What I was saying is until you see any sign of fatigue or Ian Clark sees a sign of fatigue and lets you know about it, I think you ride with him. And listeners of this show will remember about a week ago, there was a start where Demko, they they got the win. I honestly can't remember who they were playing, but I pointed out that his his footwork wasn't great. And he wasn't, he, he had, didn't have the quiet feet as usual. It looked, he looked uncomfortable. He looked like he was a bit off. And that, to me, that's the sign of fatigue. Like you see that with Jacob Markstrom, like bad decisions when you go play the puck. Uh, Demko had the same thing. There was, there was a moment in that game where he threw it right up the middle, almost cost the team a goal. That's just the way it is with goaltenders is when these guys are getting tired, you can tell if you've been watching them for a long enough time and you know what they look like when they're on their game. And it was interesting because after the game, Demko even said, he's like, yeah, I didn't think I had my best game tonight. They got the win. It's all that matters. But to me, that was a sign of, okay, maybe he's starting to get tired. And then he just comes out and looks phenomenal the next few games. So it throws out all that notion. But I think until you see something like that again, I think you're riding with Demko as long as you can. But of course, a back-to-back is just the time to use your backup goalie. And for a guy like Braden Holtby, who maybe you know doesn't feel great about how his Canucks tenure has gone so far and he sees Demko playing so well, maybe it pushes him a little harder to just go get his team that win. All he needs to do is go get one. He's not being asked to do much. He's being asked to go get his team one win. And I think for a competitor like Braden Holtby, I think that's a good situation for him to be in. I think that the best situation there would be, and and I can see this being like I've always wondered about this with coaches. Like, do you think that there's like a mutual agreement between coaches to say like, hey, tonight we're going to start our backup? Like, would you think that? 
both teams would start their backup on Friday to get the big Saturday night matchup of Carey Price versus Thatcher Demko? Uh, I don't. I, I don't think there's a mutual agreement, but I don't know. Like, I, I don't think. I don't think the teams converse on that type of thing. But maybe they think the same. Yeah. I. I don't know about big Saturday night matchup. I. I don't think that's the case. I think that's what we might see, to be honest. I think that the extra day off for Demko, like specifically if he ends up facing, you know, another forty plus shots on Wednesday. The extra day wouldn't hurt to throw him in Saturday, but then at the same time, it kind of takes away the option of like, say you do get a shutout from Demko on Friday. Like, do you, at that point, do you go back to him on Saturday? I think you have to. If a guy's yeah. just yeah, you have to because that even messes with the other team's mojo, right? Like the other team's mm-hmm. like, wow, we couldn't even get one past this guy. Now we got to play him again in eighteen hours or whatever. Like that. That's a good yeah. I think if he if he gets a shutout or has a Demko like performance, I think you might be looking at a situation where you have to go back to him. But again, you know the Canucks didn't do that in Winnipeg. They used Braden Holtby and they got criticized widely for it. Man, that's just. I'm just basing this when I say Braden Holtby's going to play a second one of that back-to-back. I'm basing this off what Travis has said to us. And in that game, when he was asked about it, and he's like, he's like, oh, why the decision to go back to Holtby? He's like, oh, I was actually like a no-brainer. I didn't didn't have to put much thought into it. Like, Holtby was always going to start this game. It makes me think that that's exactly what they're going to do. I think we're going to see a Holtby start on Saturday night. Um, I, I just think, I think that's what we're kind of, that's what's in the cards right now. And I think with Montreal, you know, they go out and get Jake Allen. They want to be able to use him, uh, for a back-to-back like this. I think we are going to see Jake Allen versus Braden Holtby on Saturday night. I just think that's what's in the cards here. It's, it's been ridiculous to see what Demko's been able to do lately, of course, as well. I mean, you look at the last seven starts for him, he's got a 9.53 save percentage and that's throwing in a game where he gave up five goals on 45 shots as well. So yeah. I, it, you're getting the one of the best goaltending performances in the NHL right now. You're getting Vesna caliber goaltending. It just feels like that's what this team needs, right? Like we saw it a lot last year from Jacob Marstrom having games where he would single-handedly go out and win them for the Vancouver Canucks. You're now seeing that with Thatcher Demko. I, I always laugh because like we write our post-game reports for Canucks RB. You obviously edit them all. You get to the point where it's like top performers. And it's, it's Demko every time, right? Like, it, there's not a lot of games where another player has performed better than Thatcher Demko for the Vancouver Canucks. Like, I think the last one that you could even say close to it, like, was the game where Jake Furtanen had two goals. But, like, also in that game, Thatcher Demko made 31 of 32 saves. So, like, he's also still the top performer. It's it's just hard to look back at what this team is doing and not give it to Thatcher Demko every single night because he's, like, keeping them in games. I think back to the the game against Winnipeg uh, late in February where he he makes 30 or 29 of 30 saves. Sorry, he saves 29 shots out of the 30 that he faced, and they end up losing, right? Like, like those type of games, or he gives up two goals and they end up losing. This Canucks team just doesn't seem to be able to do enough offensively to really give Demko the record that he deserves. Like, he's sitting at... Uh, you know, a, still a pretty below average overall record for a goaltender right now with this season at 10, 10, and 1. But the last just handful of games that he's been able to do here, the seven games, he's 6 and 1 over the past seven. And it's just been like, it's crazy to see him developing it. Do you think we're at the point right now where he's actually in the discussion for the best goaltender in the league? Like, currently at this day right now, over the past couple weeks or months or even this season, like, is he in the conversation for one of the top five goaltenders, do you think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think he's in there with top three, to be honest with you. And I think the top three right now is Marc-Andre Fleury, who's just found the fountain of youth in Vegas. Andre Vasilevsky, obviously, everybody knows that he's always going to be in that conversation. I think that there's a real case for Thatcher Demko to be a top three, not only in the league, but also in Vesna voting. Like, I get that a lot of American voters won't be watching Canadian games, but man, like, it's it's common knowledge what Demko's doing right now. Like, when the NHL is naming him the first star of the week every week, it seems like, or the second star, whatever he's been, every week, it seems like, recently, he's been named in the top three stars of the league. Like, people are going to take notice to that, Chris. And, look, if the Canucks make the playoffs, absolutely Demko picks up some serious Vesna consideration. Absolutely. If they make the playoffs, it will solely be on the back of Thatcher Demko. And the sad part about that is, Chris, people are going to instantly forget about what the team looked like at the start of the year. People are going to be like, oh, well, see, everything was fine the whole time. Like, no, the the product (laughs) in front of the goaltenders has improved a little bit in terms of team defense and actually buying in. But man, 
you can't look at this team and just be like, oh, well, that's fine. They, they can just, they can rely on Demko every night. Like, I get it. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the goaltender guy. I get it. And I get that people are like, well, the goaltender's a part of the team. Yes, he is. But you don't want to have to rely on your goaltenders like this. It's just not a recipe for long-term success. Like, then you get to what we had in the playoffs. They were within a game of beating Vegas. And that was solely because of Thatcher Demko. It's just not sustainable to get far in the playoffs. And again, that's what people want. Do you want a cup or do you want to just make the playoffs? Because if you just want to make the playoffs, sure, go ahead, rely on your goaltender. But if you want to win a cup, you need to have real depth. You need to have real secondary scoring. And right now, the Canucks don't have that. And you need to keep the pressure on. Like, we can't just sit back and be like, oh, well, this is great. Now they've now they've made the playoffs. They're good to go. You need to keep the pressure on. You need to keep keep wanting more like don't be complacent with just having a poor team in front of your goaltenders it's just not good enough you can't have that you can't have that long term that's my take on the situation absolutely we'll get into i'm sure more of the roster on the second half of the episode as well i just want to point out so the the bar that's kind of set for the playoffs right now is about 63 and a half points right like 63 will give you about a 50 percent chance of getting in 64 points will give you about a 70 percent chance of getting in depending how all the other teams kind of play out around you so the canucks to get to 63 points have to go 15 6 and 3 over their final 24 games of the season so 15, 6, and 3 is a very tough record to try and finish up with this team. But if you're getting this type of goaltending from Thatcher Demko, like, I don't want to say that the playoffs are possible. Well, they're, they're possible. They are possible for sure. Of I just don't, I don't know if 15, 6, and 3 is a record that you can really keep up, specifically after seeing that, you know, the Vancouver Canucks have already been on this huge run for them, which is great. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to see them do a, a six and two record over their past eight. It's been nice to see them get some wins, but in that eight game stretch, those two losses were pretty bad. Those are really bad losses for both of them. The five one loss to Montreal, and then the five two loss to the Winnipeg Jets. But fifteen six and three, I mean, it's <laughs> it is doable, right? It's going to take one hell of a run. I don't know if the Canucks are able to do it just because of what they have with this roster on this team. I don't know if relying on Demko to start every single game, if that's going to hurt him eventually down the road. But all I'm saying is if you're able to get this type of goaltending performance from Thatcher Demko for the remainder of the season, there is a chance. Like, there is a chance if you're consistently able to get top three goaltending in the NHL, your team does have a chance of actually going 15-6-3. If your team steps up a lot, like, and they, they still have a lot to figure out offensively to actually back it up with goals... But if you're getting this type of goaltending performance, I don't care how bad the defense is at times, your goaltender is going to go out there and win you a lot of games. So, I don't know. Playoffs are, are in the possibility. Not very great chance of them happening, but they're in the possibility for me. I know that I've seen it out there someplace that it's like an 8% chance or something of them making the playoffs. I don't know how much that takes into consideration that Thatcher Demko is one of the top goalies in the league and playing like it right now. But, man, if he were to go down... Or anything, like if they use him too much and overwork him and he's not able to finish this season with this Canucks team, that's 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 it. Like you can kiss it goodbye. Do you think that that's like a possibility of happening here? Because man, you know, nine of the last ten games he started, you'll probably get another one to make it ten of the last eleven. Maybe even starts on Friday and then has a good game on Friday, goes into Saturday. Like there is a chance that they can out, like overwork this guy. And with the situation with Ian Clark... And him not wanting to, well, you know, the rumors out there of him potentially not being around next year. How how worried are you that Ian Clark's not really getting his voice heard right now? Because I think that's got to be floated out there a little bit. No, no, I'm not worried about so? that at all. No, well, not think at all. About, no. I just think about if, if he does have one foot out the door similar to Judd Brackett did, you know, does but, okay. he get as much say as possible? Okay, okay, so I'm going to stop you there. So okay. the Judd Brackett decision was a hockey ops decision. We That has been well documented. We're not going to rehash all that. That was a hockey ops decision. This is purely a business decision. Everybody in that organization, except for the people pay, writing the checks, wants Ian Clark to stay. That's how it is right now. Travis has a really good relationship with Ian Clark. And I'm sure he's still being consulted every day. And he's in his position. And I'm sure he's helping the Canucks as much as he can. There's no way that he doesn't have a vested interest right now. Sure, maybe he's thinking about his future and saying, okay, well, I'm obviously not a priority here. I'm going to help them win, obviously, because he has a good relationship with Demko and everybody, literally everybody else in that organization, Chris. And that that's why I think they're just completely different situations. Like, Judd was a hockey ops decision. 
Ian Clark is not a hockey ops decision. If it was a hockey ops decision, then people would be calling for Jim Benning's head because why would you not want to keep this guy in your staff? Like, Jim Benning wants to keep Ian Clark. That's the way it is right now. And again, like, this is all about the money. That doesn't affect the salary cap. Like, this is what it comes down to. It has nothing to do with Ian Clark's performance. It has nothing to do with Ian Clark being like, oh, well, I really want to go somewhere else. That's what that's what makes sense for me. I really, really want to go somewhere else. Like, that's not what's happening here. There's no disruption in the Hockey Ups department. We haven't heard anything of that sort from, from anybody on the inside, anybody that we've, you know, that we've heard from talking all the reporters. We've never heard anything suggesting that Ian Clark isn't having his voice heard. I don't even want to float that out there. Like that's, I I just, that is not what's happening right now. There's no way that Ian Clark is on, on the payroll traveling with the team on staff and not getting his voice heard. Travis and him have a really good relationship. Then why is Mikey DiPietro not playing any games? Because, okay, again, this is a decision about the money that doesn't affect the salary cap. There's a guy right now, uh, I think, what's his name? Forsberg. Anton Forsberg, I think? Goaltender with Winnipeg. He's on waivers today. They want to put a claim in for this guy, for sure. Because if they get a claim in on this guy, that is a person that you can now keep on your taxi squad and send DiPietro to Utica. The only difference is he is on a one-way deal, so you're going to have to pay him NHL dollars. Right now, Mikey DiPietro is only 70000 He's on an AHL salary sitting on the taxi squad. So, if you do that, you need to get that approved by ownership, and they just don't have that approval right now. So, look, if Ian Clark's not having his voice heard, it's by the men up top. It's not from the hockey ops department. So, I don't think, you know, I don't think when it comes to choosing starters and that sort of thing, I don't think it's a matter of Ian Clark isn't having his voice heard. Maybe he's not having his voice heard, but again, Jim Benning's not having his voice heard either, buddy. Like, that's that's where it is right now, because Jim Benning wouldn't have come on that Zoom call and said for so long for, that he really wants to get DiPietro into games, and he said, we have to get him into some games. He wouldn't have said that if he wasn't trying to do it. Like, that's what's happening right now. you got to connect the dots here, and that's what I, when I look at this team right now, that's kind of what I see. I see a bit of a disconnect between the men up top and the hockey ops department. That's what I'm starting to see, and fans should not be liking what they're seeing right now. That's kind of what I'm getting at here. I think that many decisions for this team are being made from the top that are hurting them in certain situations. And I wonder how much hurt you can do to the hockey ops department from ownership before the hockey ops department just says like, well, you know what, if we're not going to be able to make our decisions, you know, then, then have at it yourself. Right. Like, like that's kind of what I'm saying about, you know, if Ian Clark's not able to do his job, why even try and do it, you know? That's kind of what I'm saying. And I know that this this is kind of stretching the DiPietro situation to a lot more, but if I was in that situation and I was being, you know, told how to do my job, even though I'm one of the best in the world at doing it, I'd be pretty damn frustrated. And I don't know how different it is, you know, <laughs> apparently Francesco likes Thatcher Demko. He tweeted about it just the other day. You know, maybe he wants that maybe he wants Thatcher Demko in every single game and he's the one making decisions down to Jim Benning because it feels like Jim Benning's not able to make decisions on his own right now. That's just the overall feel of the organization. And if that just falls down and kind of keeps trickling down to different parts of the organization in the hockey ops department, that's what makes me question if Ian Clark even has a lot of pull right now in making goaltender decisions. I think that I just think that there's a lot to look into about this DiPietro situation. I know you just wrote a great article about it. Maybe we can continue this conversation a little bit um, if you want to just dive into the article that you wrote. But, like, I just think that it, the way that it's coming down and the way decisions are being made is being hurt a lot by ownership right now. No, you're absolutely right. But I'm I'm talking about, like, day-to-day decisions and his relationship with Travis and just kind of how Ian and him talk about every decision with the goaltenders. Like... They, they have a good relationship, and it wasn't always like that in Vancouver. I wrote a piece a while back, and I was talking to Kevin Woodley. Didn't name names, but he did say that there was a situation where the old goaltending coach, and I'm not giving the year, I'm not saying anything to help identify who these people are, but there was a back-to-back, and it was a 1 p.m. start, and the goaltending coach got a call at 11 at night from the head coach of the Canucks. This all happened in Vancouver, and he was like, hey, who should we start tomorrow? And the goaltending coach was like, why didn't you ask me this before? Like, 
one of my guys thinks he's starting and you actually are asking me right now who should be starting and it was just there was not that level of communication that's between there is between Ian and Travis right now like that's that's a good situation that is a good situation for those two guys so when they both go to Calgary in the offseason that's going to be really good they're both going to reunite in the flames I'm calling it right now Chris I am calling it right now Calgary is going to scoop up Ian Clark and they're going to scoop up Travis Green well maybe Daryl Sutter will have something to say about that but honestly Chris like when I look at the situation it's just a matter of you're right like ownership is getting in there it seems like um and it's just it just it's tough because you don't want to speculate too much but it's also like okay if the general manager is talking about how badly Mikey needs to get into games and Curtis Sanford who I was talking to yesterday uh, said, yeah, it's a really bad situation, but we're trying to, we're, I know they're trying to get him into some games. That's what Curtis Sanford said when I asked him about DiPietro yesterday. And I guess that's a good time for me to kind of get into the article that I, that I wrote today. But just to kind of wrap up here, like everybody in hockey ops has one message, but it's not being executed. So you have to start connecting the dots and you have to start wondering what's really going on behind the scenes and throw on your tinfoil cap, say whatever you want about what I just said. But honestly, that's the, that's the reality of the situation. So the article I wrote, Chris, uh, he's an extension of Clarkie, how Ian Clark and Curtis Sanford work in tandem to help the Canucks non-roster goaltenders develop from far. Talk to Jake Kiley, talk to Arthur Silovs, and talk to Curtis Sanford, a former Canuck goaltender who is the goaltending coach in Utica, uh, really is the right-hand man of Ian Clark. And just kind of the one thing that Jake Kiley said that the organization does really well is that Curtis is an extension of Ian Clark and kind of how... He doesn't say things that Ian wouldn't say, and he doesn't have different symbols for things, and he kind of, they, they have they have a very uniform approach to it, and they kind of approach it all the same, and they know each other pretty well. Again, you remember, Curtis played for Ian in Vancouver, 2007-2008 season, uh, and then again, they reunited in Columbus in the back half of Curtis's career. Those two know each other pretty well, and Curtis calls Ian all the time, and they talk a lot on the phone just about different tendencies, different philosophies, and kind of have that good communication, and Curtis really stressed the communication that they have and how important it is for any organization, any department, especially a goaltending department, to have that communication, and not only between the two coaches, but to also communicate well with the players what their plan is for the year, and that's something the Canucks have done really well. Like Archer Silovs isn't with Curtis or Ian right now, but he knows exactly what he needs to work on because Curtis and Ian have told him. And again, Curtis, man, hearing him talk about Archer's yesterday was just, man, he was he was high on Archer Silovs or Silovs. I've heard Drance, call, Drance says Silovs, but anyway, whichever it is, um, he, he was high on Silovs and Silovs, whatever. And he was saying like, this guy's raw athleticism is just his greatest asset. And what they don't want to do is make him go away from that. Like they want to teach him how to conserve energy because he's so active in the crease and he's moving all over the place way too much. They want to teach him how to conserve energy. It's all about his movement, all about the details with, with Silovs. And that's the main thing that they want to focus on. They don't want to make him lose his raw abilities because Curtis was saying like, this guy has such insane raw abilities and just hasn't had the best coaching yet that they really need to just kind of let him work within his own game and I think that's one thing that was kind of interesting to me Uh, I hadn't really heard it talked about in that kind of sense and that philosophy but one thing Ian and Curtis are both really focusing on with all of their goaltenders is just these guys have natural abilities they were NHL draft picks for a reason they were top tier goaltenders for a reason we need to make sure that we don't beat the raw ability out of them by t- making them too much of goalie school goalies, if you will. That's kind of the focus that they have. And again, I talked to him about DiPietro, and man, were they impressed with Mikey DiPietro's season last year. Curtis said DiPietro was kind of just someone that showed up to camp, showed up to Utica, and just said, here I am. I've had good goaltending training, but I want to get better goaltending training. And he basically just said, do whatever you want with me. And DiPietro was a guy that just showed up and immediately bought into what they were selling. He never questioned anything. He just did as he was told. And they, you know, that's one thing that we always hear about Clark and I'm assuming Curtis as well is that they explain stuff really well to the goaltenders. It's not just do this. It's 
do this. Now here's why we do this. We're going to we're going to work on your movement, Mikey. We're going to make sure you're not too aggressive in the crease and that you're not susceptible to that backdoor tap in. Again, that's a main thing that Mikey's focusing on with Ian and with Curtis. Right now he's obviously with Ian, but when I look at the goaltending situation, I'm just seeing like, man, it's a good situation right now. And I I'm not going to lie, Chris. I don't want to I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say this is the right decision or the wrong decision, but I would not be surprised if part of why Ian Clark is kind of maybe thinking of moving on and maybe there isn't a deal in place from ownership is because they see a guy in Curtis Sanford who, hey, this guy will be much cheaper and our prospects speak pretty highly of him. So maybe we can get him to be the goaltending coach. Again, I just talked to Curtis Sanford. He's a smart, smart goaltending mind. Like he knows what he's talking about. But he's also only been at this for three years, and he's been under Clark's guidance. If if Sanford's unsure about something, he's able to call Clark and talk to him about it. And that's massive. And he's not going to have that if he's the main goaltending coach. So, I mean, I get it. I get that he's worked with Clark and has a really good grasp of the things Clark works on with goaltenders. But again, like, y- you've got the best in the biz. And right now... It's it's working like having the tandem together is really working. And I think it's a big ask to make Curtis go up and be the goaltending coach, be the guy like he's going to be quite literally the successor of Ian Clark. Like that's that's not easy to do. That's those are those are big shoes to fill. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, Chris, but I also don't know if it's the best move for the organization. Yeah, it feels like one that they could make, though, right? Like, it just feels like it's something that they would do. It's a lot cheaper, especially in a year where there's no money coming in. And and it would be unfortunate because he mentioned it. He is the best goaltender coach in the business right now. I just, I think that there's, like, we're seeing it a little bit more and more now about spots for goaltending. Like, isn't there spots on NHL teams called, like, the director of goaltenders? Or, like, director of goaltending and stuff like that? Like, I feel like that might be a role where Ian Clark slides into with another organization and it'd be unfortunate because obviously you'd like to keep him here. What he's done with the goaltenders here in Vancouver is incredible. And, you know, to speak on everything that you kind of mentioned there about the goalies there, like the young ones in Silos and, and Di Pietro, like I remember training camp in Victoria, like first day writing about it in the Canucks army, like wrap up of day one of training camp and being like, uh, this is the first time I've seen this Archer Silos guy, but man, does he move well and look like an NHL goalie. Like he's long, he's lanky, he's athletic. Like, I, I'm really interested to see what they're able to do with him. And, and yeah, I just think that, man, like, I still can't get over the idea that Mikey DiPietro can't be in Utica right now because after all this time working with Ian Clark, getting these one-on-ones, being able to be on the taxi squad, be all around him, ask him questions whenever he wants, I just want to see DiPietro play goaltender now. Like, I want to see it so bad. I want to see what's changed in his game with all this work he's been able to do. And if they're not able to do that this season, that's just a huge you know, shooting yourself in the foot moment. Like, it really is. To not even be able to see what DiPietro's been able to improve on is so unfortunate. And they really, really just absolutely need to get this guy down to Utica playing games. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I agree with you. He needs to play games somewhere. It's just, it's it's of the utmost importance. And to to kind of add to your point about the director of goaltending thing, like, you know, we talk about the goaltending department in Florida and, oh, that's so forward-thinking. You know the Canucks had a goaltending department, right? Like, Trevor yep. Linden promoted, I'm using air quotes, promoted Dan Cluche to director of goaltending and brought in Ian Clark as the goaltending coach. Like, if there's one thing that Trevor Linden, and you know, Jim Benning, I'm sure, was a part of this situation, but if there's one thing that Trevor Linden really did to leave his mark on this organization, it was getting Ian Clark back from Columbus because he had a good situation in Columbus. And for him to walk away from that and come back to Vancouver because he believed in what was here. Man, that's that that's not easy to do to sell him on to Vancouver. Like that that was a good move by Trevor Linden to bring him back. And again, when that happened, Cluche was the director of goaltending. Uh, I don't think he's in that position anymore. I don't think they have a quote unquote goaltending department. He's not listed on the team staff or the the club staff um, page. So. I don't think they have that quote-unquote department anymore, but they do have a goaltending institution. That's kind of the word I, I use when I think of this this team's 
kind of goaltending situation, how they have Ian Clark at the at the helm, and they have a guy like Curtis Sanford down working with the prospects, and how those two are in constant communication and work in a tandem. Again, the article's on CanucksArmy.com. You can go read it. It's the featured article of the day. You can go click on it, read everything I'm talking about. It put put clearly, put clearly in words, uh, written words. So you can go check that out. But yeah, like that's that's something the Canucks did. They did have a goaltending department. When they're cutting costs, Chris, I don't think there's any chance they're going to come have a goaltending department once again. But again, yeah. Ian Clark, that that's a guy who maybe you do want to be your director of goaltending because again, that's again he's got he's got a history in amateur scouting, like helping find these late round picks, like Elvis Merzlik and Jonas Corpusal, like these guys that have turned out to be studs for Columbus. He was massive in bringing those guys to Columbus and. Man, it's just you want a guy like that at some somewhere in your organization impacting your organization in some way with your goaltenders. You just that's that's what every club wants. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you could probably go another twenty minutes talking goaltenders quads, but you're hosting this episode. Why don't you throw us to a commercial here? Because uh, it's been probably the longest first half we've ever done. Yeah, I just looked down and we're at 41 minutes. So now's a good time to go to break. You will hear from our sponsors on the other side of the break. Chris and I will talk a bit more. We'll talk about roster construction, I think, Chris. I think that's going to be a fun conversation. So keep it locked. Keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, and you can use promo code Hockey Season with a capital H and a capital S, all one word, Hockey Season, to get $5 off your order exclusively for Canucks Conversation podcast listeners. Be sure to join them live on Twitch for Epic Case Break openings. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic on all platforms. Do you ever have a long work day where you just forget to hit the liquor store on the way home and then you got no beer for your game? Well, problem solved, folks. Same day delivery now from the folks at Parallel 49 Beer. That's right. The P49 crew is here and available on Uber Eats. All that brew directly to you with Uber Eats and Parallel 49's online store. Shop.Parallel49Brewing.com or check out more information on their Twitter and Instagram pages at Parallel49Beer. Alright, short and sweet one here for our friends at Mike's Hard Lemonade. The Blue Freeze. If you haven't tried it, folks, you need to get out and try the Mike's Hard Blue Freeze. By far my favorite alcoholic beverage on the market right now. If you're going to just enjoy a few drinks at a game or it's a Saturday night and you got a Zoom party with some of your friends, take yourself down to the BC Liquor Store which or your local liquor store, wherever you get drinks. Pick up some Mike's Hard Blue Freeze, the best, tastiest drink on the market right now. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. Alright, and a huge thank you to all of our sponsors on the Canucks Conversation Podcast. Chris and I thought it'd be fun to kind of wrap up the episode here since we gave you like 40 minutes there. You were right, Chris. That definitely was the longest first half we've had in show history, but I think it'll be fun to kind of wrap up here talking about, you know, before we obviously get to the betting segment brought to our friends at oddshark.com. Before we get to that and obviously the prospect report, I thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about one player, maybe not that you'd, you'd think of with, you know, Thatcher Demko or Brock Besser, the MVPs of the team. Maybe one player that has surprised you, but isn't somebody that a lot of people seem to be talking about. And I guess I'll go first, Chris. Mine is Jace Howerluck. When he came here, we were looking at scouting reports. We were looking at, you know, what other people were saying about him. And the main thing was, oh, this guy can't skate. But man, he's actually looking like he can move pretty well out there. And even at training camp, like it wasn't like we were just going off the opinion of other people. Like even at training camp in the limited time we saw him, you could definitely tell he was a step below everyone else. But right now, he's looking like a pretty useful bottom six piece for the Canucks. Yeah, before Tyler Mott took him out in that uh, scrimmage, it looked like he was uh, 
I thought he was fine in scrimmage, and I think that coming in, he's been a guy that looks like he can fit in as a fourth-line player. I just, the only thing that kind of hurts my, I guess, my high on Howerluck right now is the fact that he's not killing penalties. Like, he feels like a player who should be killing penalties. He skates well. Maybe that could, you know, force into some some shorthanded goal opportunities for him. But, you know, he scores the first goal the other day. Shout out to, uh, I forget who it was, but somebody actually picked Howerluck for the Canucks' first goal presented by the great folks at Zephyr Epic, of course. But somebody actually picked Howerluck to score, which was great. And then to see him get on the board, that was awesome. You know, did it the way that I think a lot of people expected him to do, just going to the net and, and cleaning up one of the garbage goals. But yeah, I think that the skating surprised me. I think the thing that we're waiting to see is him have one of those games where he does land, you know, six, seven, eight hits like we saw him do late in the season last year with Ottawa. So I'm excited. I think that there's still some upside to what he can bring to a fourth line. And I like the idea of him on the wing instead of a guy like Brandon Sutter or or Jay Beagle in the lineup because I do think that he brings some speed to the fourth line. And the only thing, like I said earlier, if he's able to kill penalties, that'll be a huge boost to him staying in the lineup for the Canucks. Oh, absolutely. And when you're looking at roster construction, you want to move toward that top nine, whatever. And it's interesting because when you look at the top nine and people are like, oh, just put Miller at center. Like, you can't construct a top nine that has, like, Antoine Roussel on the wing or Brandon Sutter on the wing in your top nine. That's not a top nine. It's just it's just not. So I think if you want to construct a proper top nine, your fourth line needs to be largely guys who are killing penalties for you. And just that's their role and their... Yeah. They're carrying that load, and I think when you look at that, like, the ideal fourth line for me, Chris, is, like, you know, you've got your uh, Tyler Mott, maybe Brandon Sutter's there, and, you know, Jace Howerluck, or even if you want to move Mott into that top nine, because I think he's definitely flirting with that, you could be on that third line with Mott. You know, you've got a guy like McEwen, who maybe you want to see him start to kill some penalties here soon. Again, like, that's that's kind of the fourth line that I'm looking at and seeing and saying, okay, like this is actually what a fourth line should be. Or even Antoine Roussel, again, a guy who's not going anywhere anytime soon. But man, it's just, I'm looking at it and just seeing like, this is what the Canucks need to do. They need to move into that top nine roster construction and it needs to have some actual firepower. It can't have Brandon Sutter. So they can't do it this year. That's kind of no. what I'm getting at. They can't construct a proper top nine this year. They're just not set up to do so. And we're going to see, I mean, we could see a lineup without Jay Beagle and Brandon Sutter on Wednesday. I know that both of them didn't practice today on Tuesday, so we'll have to see what comes. And if one of them does hop in the lineup on Wednesday, if not, man, that's an interesting spot for the Canucks to be in, right? I mean, you're going to have a first line centered by, uh, you know, Bo Horvat, I guess. And then your second line centered by JT Miller, third line centered by, you know, where do you kind of go from there, right? Like, I think that it was interesting to see... Adam Gaudet play on a line like the line that I liked the other night on Monday against the Ottawa Senators was the line of Adam Gaudet, JT Miller and Zach McEwen like they were playing in a role where it was kind of like the second scoring line for them they brought a little bit of everything like I I just don't understand why Zach McEwen doesn't get more time with this team like I really think at five on five he's a guy that maybe disrupts the play more than he drives it but damn, does he do a good job of disrupting the other team? And I think that he does have the skills to create something offensively as well. If he's playing with guys who can actually make passes instead of Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle, like there is some offensive upside to Zach McEwen. I don't think he's a guy who should always be in your top six. I don't think that's what I'm saying at all. But if you're trying to construct a third line that has some scoring potential, like I really think Zach McEwen should be given a shot in that spot. And if it's with JT Miller and Adam Gaudet right now, I, I kind of like that line as a third line. I think that's a third line that I get excited for for the Vancouver Canucks. And saying that sentence about being excited about a Canucks third line is something I haven't said in a long time for this team. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting because I think Howerluck's kind of forced his way into that conversation. I think he's right. starting and he was to the look other better. guy that was he was getting time on that Monday. Like I, I mentioned, the McEwen Miller. And Godet line, but at times later in the game, it was Howerluck, Miller, and Godet playing together, which, you know, I like that one as well. So maybe those two guys can kind of fight for that spot. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, like, it, it's interesting that Howerluck's kind of forced his way into that conversation. And that's, that's who I'm going with as the player who's kind of been the most surprising over the past couple of weeks. Uh, but I know you, you had one that you wanted to give, so I'll let you do that. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people are going to agree with this, uh, but I have I think Travis Hamanick is the guy that surprised me over the past couple of weeks. I think that 
when he came back from injury and started immediately playing with Quinn Hughes, you could tell that there wasn't a lot of chemistry between those two players. I mean, you, you saw some situations where Hamnick wasn't passing to the right area of the ice or he was catching Hughes out of stride, making him forced to reset. But what we're seeing lately over the past handful of games, I've just really liked it. I think that you're asking a lot of Travis Hamnick to go out there and play with Quinn Hughes. Any defenseman in that role is going to be asked of a lot. I mean, Jordy Ben was asked a lot. I thought he did a fine job playing with Quinn Hughes at the time. I think there's a little bit more upside with Travis Hamnick just because of Hamnick's able to get a little bit of a slap shot off from the point. And I think that ability to have a strong slap shot playing with Quinn Hughes is so important because Quinn Hughes is always going to draw four checkers. He's always going to draw guys in the offensive zone. And he's going to create a lot of space for not only the forwards on the line, but the guy that really gets to benefit from all that space is his defense partner in the offensive zone. He's going to get a ton of space to unload shots. I think that's why Tyler Myers has worked so well. For goal production when he's playing with Quinn Hughes just because Tyler Myers is going to get a ton of space when he's playing with Quinn Hughes and that creates opportunities for Myers to fire his shot which is above average from the point so I think that's why we always see the analytics of Tyler Myers and Quinn Hughes looking so good together offensively anyways so uh, but my guy is Travis Hamannick I think that they're starting to develop some chemistry together play a little bit better defensively Hamannick does a good job of blocking shots and taking away a lot of things in the defensive zone and I just think he's starting to find his game right now so I, I've been impressed with him over the past couple weeks for sure yeah I think Hamannick's actually kind of looked not only like he's settling in but that he's becoming you know one of this team's most important defensemen I think he's logging some big minutes he's playing on the penalty kill and again it's kind of like well that's the thing he's you, going out there with Alex Edler on the first penalty kill right like yeah. he's getting out there and doing these hard minutes as well not only playing with Quinn Hughes but being out as the first PK guy that's a lot to ask yeah, it is, and I think he's starting to answer the bell, and he's he's playing pretty well. I think, yeah, like I I don't think it's a it's a bold take at all to say that Travis Hamannick's been you know one of the Canucks' best defensemen at purely defending. I think he absolutely has been, and man, it is tough right now. Like Quinn Hughes is down bad sometimes. Did you see uh, what's that guy's name? Artem Zub on uh, Ottawa just absolutely turnstile him. Oh it, my god, dude! It looked okay, like watching all, Ollie Olevi defend the rush. That guy, that is my new favorite name. In all of hockey, I think. Like, I did not know that there was a guy in the NHL named Zub. That is so cool. <laughs> okay. Do you have anything it's to an... add to my comment about Hughes getting turnstiled? No, not really. The Arth- <laughs> Zub is a hell of a name. I wish that the Canucks had a guy like that that started with a oh Z. Was it three letters? Is it Z-U-B? Yeah, it is. Oh, my God. What an awesome name. How cool is that as a name? Are we are you, so you don't have anything to add to the actual hockey analysis I offered? No, nope, not at all. Like Zub, over this guy's name, Zub is just an awesome nickname. Like it feels like maybe he's like Zubov's kid. Like maybe he's Zubov's <laughs> kid, and it just gave him a nickname of Zub, and then somebody forgot to add the O V at the end, and then now he's just Zub. Like that is so awesome to have that on a nickname. It feels like you're playing like NHL, and you did a create a player, and then you just like wanted to have a funny name that the announcers had to pronounce. And you pick Zub, and that's what this guy's doing on the ice. But, you know, he was, I don't know, maybe the name was just so cool that I heard his name called a lot in the game on Monday, but I feel like he was in action. Like, he was getting involved in the play a lot, and he was that time where he split the D, and just hearing, like, Jim, or, sorry, John Shorthouse call, like, Zub comes in, splits the defense, like, that was just a great sentence. One of the better sentences I've heard all season long. So, yeah, I got nothing to add to that. Well, I'm getting you an Artem Zub jersey for your birthday. I I now know that's going to happen. Yes, wait till he comes to Van next year. After Jim Benning saw him split the defense, he's going to be here on a 4x4 next year. So you don't want to talk at all about Quinn Hughes' lack of defense right now? You don't want to talk about any of that? Well, I mean, I guess we could. But, like, I just there's a lot of things in Quinn Hughes' game defensively that I've, like, I don't want to say given excuses for, but there are a lot of things right now that are hurting Quinn Hughes. Like, an on-ice shooting or an on-ice save percentage of 8.86 is unfortunate. That's a very bad number to have. He's getting unlucky with the goals that are being scored on him. I don't think that Quinn Hughes is giving up so many of these grade-A chances like a lot of people think. Like, yeah. There was times last year where he had some pretty big errors, like some pretty big gaffes, but we kind of just brush it to the side because he was a rookie and he came in and he was looking so good, putting up all these points. But I think he had more gas last year defensively. Like, I think he had a yeah. lot more just bad giveaways or slip-ups or passes to defense when it didn't work. Like, I feel like there was more last year. So I think that watching what he's doing this year, yeah, he's getting scored a ton on, but he's got he's getting goaltending for him when he's on the ice that's under 900 save percentage. 
So I think that there's a little bit of excuse here for Quinn Hughes. I don't think he's playing as bad defensively as some people think that he is. And just to add to your point, because I know somebody's just going to say, oh, well, the reason the save percentage is lower is because he's bad. There's been extensive research, just so everybody's aware, that uh, the play of defensemen in front of the goaltenders doesn't actively impact save percentage enough to a point where you can start to look at the defensemen and say, oh, well, that's why. Like, there, there's been some bad goals with Hughes on the ice. That's it's. It, there's no secret about that. Uh, so just wanted to kind of point that out. And if anybody is curious, they can absolutely DM Chris or I and we'll send you the article, the one I'm referring to, that kind of shows all that research that's been put into that uh, by the analytics community. But anyway, Chris, uh, you're right, you're right. There there are some excuses, absolutely, but again, you don't want to use the word excuses. Uh, there are some reasons to say that, yeah, Quinn Hughes is down bad, but he's also, you know, he's still the Canucks' best defenseman, and it's not really close, so... I like I get it it's just also I just man I don't remember him getting beat on the rush like he did last night and I I wonder if it's just from having such a huge load and having to play so many minutes and play such a compact schedule and I wonder if it's starting to catch up with him and like the the only thing that would make me kind of go away from that is kind of this is what we've seen all season from him you know what I mean like it's kind of like he hasn't got his footing under him and he's just kind of trying his best to as he goes along you know what I mean yeah I think that it's hard because like Quinn Hughes yeah he's playing a ton ton of minutes right like you saw the other night where he played four minutes in overtime and he looks fine throughout the overtime and then it's just every single game he's come out and he's asked to do a lot for this team and unfortunately in 32 games you know he's got 34 goals against at five on five that's not a great start to be in but you look at the way that the rest of this team works and Quinn Hughes still does such a boost for this team offensively of controlling shots. I mean, this the crappy thing, like I mentioned, he's got a horrible on-ice save percentage with him. His expected goals in 32 games is 25. He's got 34 against. So, you know, I think he's playing a lot better than people think. You know, that's almost cutting out like a quarter of the goals if you would look at the way that things are probably going to balance out for this season. He's probably going to get some better goaltending behind him. He's probably going to get some chances gone. I don't think there's going to be as many really bad giveaways for him as the season goes on. And I just think that that's another upside for this Canucks team to watch Quinn Hughes get back to what we expect from him when that's happening, along with Thatcher Demko really taking the reins as one of the better goalies in the league. I think the second half of the season is going to be a lot better for Quinn Hughes, and I think the points might even start stacking up even more. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a there's a real chance of that and just kind of seeing the numbers climb back up. But we'll have to wait and see, I guess, Chris. But I just kind of wanted to bring that up because Artem Zub, best name in hockey, according to oh. you, did burn him pretty bad last night. And it was it was tough to watch. And then there was a penalty taken on the play. It was just it was it was not a great game for Quinn Hughes defensively. And it kind of highlighted how many times he's got, you know, just flat out beat this year and it's tough because you you hope for better fortunes for a guy who was so solid last year if you have anything to add i think now's a good time to go to the betting segment or the prospect report you take your pick yeah just you know to speak on quinnies sometimes you just get zoomed like it just it ha- it's gonna happen at times, but uh, we'll go to the prospects report. Not a lot to talk about, man. Like like I, I think I mentioned it. I tweeted out the other day. Vasily Podkolzin not in action until Thursday. This is, I mean, this sucks for people that for Canucks fans that are waiting for him to lose his playoff series. I think it's ten days off since they won their playoff series. They've had to wait until the yeah. second round of the playoffs. This is a series where they can lose, man. This is a series where they can lose this series. A lot of people are going to be rooting against them. I talked to Zlodiev the other day. I told him that we're rooting for, for <laughs> Scott over here. The Vancouver Canucks fans are rooting for, for Scott to lose. We're all we're all rooting for Dynamo, who you know would have been great to see uh, Zlodiev get a chance to play in the playoffs because we've seen that in the past with a lot of KHL teams bring in the guy that you know impressed the hell out of them in the MHL or the VHL, and, and really Zlodiev was that guy for them this past year. So it would have been great to see him get a action unfortunately he's still not able to train yet uh he's got the broken bone around his face which is unfortunate for him but we'll see what happens with him in his offseason training huge year for him coming up and then the only other thing to talk about was aiden mcdonough um so his season ended on sunday when they lost to umass they got you know kind of boat race in that game didn't really look like they got a chance to get anything going uh mcdonough didn't really have much going for him in that game it just didn't feel like Northeastern really even came to play, to be honest. It, it wasn't a great game for them at all. But a lot of people out there were asking, you know, do you think McDonough's going to go pro? Uh, he was on the show a couple weeks ago. It didn't really sound like that was something that he was looking f- 
like looking fully invested into. I mean, he said if the Canucks come calling and and Utica is an option for him, like he'll be there. He'll go play pro hockey. But I do think that there's a lot more to develop in his game with another year of college hockey. So for people that are asking, I expect him to be back. That's not what he's told me. Uh, we talked a little bit off air as well because I felt bad asking that question live on the show. And he said, no, it's fine. He's fine talking about it. But like he said, there's... There's nothing that's come out of it. Like, there's no decision that's been made yet. It's going to take the Canucks offering him a chance to do it. Then it's going to take him talking to his agent, talking to his family, talking to his coach at Northeastern to make the best decision for his hockey career. So I don't think that he's going to end up doing it. I would expect to see him back for another junior year. And I think after next year, like, if he's really able to be over a point-per-game guy, still produce like crazy on the power play, I think then we'll talk about it. Like, I think that it'll be a pretty good possibility that he could come out from college after his junior year, but I do think Aiden McDonough is going to be back for one more year, and I think he's going to raise his stock as a prospect for the Canucks anyways. Fantastic stuff, Chris. As always, let's jump into our betting segment from our friends at oddshark.com. Lots of editorial content, lots of betting trends, and I think that's the kind of the, the thing that's really helped with my betting is going on oddshark and looking at the betting trends. You know, looking at who's, who, like, how many how many games there's been where the Teams have got the over when they've faced each other, and again, with a with a schedule like this, where the teams play each other so much, there's a lot of different data out there. Like, it's like, each team plays each other like 9-10 times in the season, right? So it's, there's a lot of data out there that you can kind of look at and say, in their past three meetings this season, the Canucks have had the over on the Montreal Canadiens, or something like that, you know what I mean? And I just, I don't know, like, I'd love to give our friends at Odd Shark a lot of love, and... I just think people should be looking at the betting trends. I think that's absolutely Odd Shark's best feature. Absolutely. And I think they just put out some stuff about the Stanley Cup odds, like the the teams that'll match up in the Stanley Cup final. So that's that's one that you can kind of get into too if you're into futures bets. That's the that's the thing that I like about Odd Shark is pulling off these future bets that, you know, have like 30 to 1 odds that you can hit on. So that's kind of my go-to right now. I've got a long shot right now that I did it like Man, this this must have been like four months ago. I uh, or maybe not that long. Maybe two or three months ago. Uh, so I bet on the Jack Adams for Travis Green. That one's not going great at all. But the <laughs> other one that I bet on was uh, Regla winning the SHL championship, and I think I got him at like uh, fifteen to one odds. Very like a very long time ago, and I think I put fifty on that. So that's going to clean up nice into like a $750 win if Regla ends up winning. So I got my eyes back on the SHL hockey, man. I'm watching uh, Regla again. Uh, after Hoglander left, I didn't watch the games at all, but I'm, I'm talking to my sources back over there now, you know, seeing what they're going to look like in the playoffs, and things are apparently looking pretty good for them. So I'll be interested to uh, see if that long shot bet pays out, uh, thanks to the folks at Odd Shark, anyways. You need to you need to ask Hoglander in his next availability. Niels, do you have any desire to go back to Regley and win me my bet? Because you can yeah, have what's some the of the deal money. When, when the Canucks season ends? Or like, do you want to just take a little loan right now? <laughs> like they could use you right now? That'd be awesome. Yeah, we'll see. Travis, are you aware that I have a bet uh, with Regley? <laughs> Travis, I, I got two bets. I got, you, I, got, I got you for Coach of the Year, Travis, and that ain't happening. Can you send Huglander back to Sweden for me so we can get a quick win? And if Pedersen's not really healthy yet, maybe a good rehab would be for him to go do an SHL playoffs. Like, that should work, right? Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. Amazing. Amazing. Speaking of, I don't speaking even know of, how one thing that one thing that I got to mention about the SHL Man, if the you know if the Canucks are able to make a, some sort of a move for Pedersen's brother Emil Pedersen, this guy's going to be yeah. the MVP for the SHL. Right, he's going to be the best player in the SHL this year. In the games that I watched him, he was absolutely dominant. I didn't watch a ton of him play because I wasn't really looking out for him. But like I said, watching Hugland earlier this year. I would make sure to tweet out all the Pedersen stuff that I saw. Emil Pedersen, that is. And, like, this guy took over SHL games in a similar way that Niels Hoglander did, but he did it more consistently when I watched him. Like, I think I saw maybe four games of Pedersen's brother this year, and three of them he absolutely took over and had multiple points in those games. He looked excellent at this time, and he's a property of the Coyotes right now, you know, maybe the Coyotes would be interested in Triampkin. Trade those rights, give Triampkin for Emil Pedersen, make it happen. Wow, bold take from Chris Faber to close out episode 145 of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks once again to all of our sponsors. For Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to the Canucks Conversation. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.